Kathy, and we are on week two. Um, last week, for those of you that weren't here, Glendon spoke about um, the identity gap, and there was this uh, very nice illustration of the two circles. So the first circle is what we believe in ourselves, and the second circle is what God believes in us. And uh, really the aim of this series is to bring those two circles together so that we start believing what God sees in us. My title for this message this morning is, I am his child and he is my father. So I'm a father of two. I'm married to Janine and I've got a nine-month-old boy named Aiden and a four-year-old girl named Mila. And to them, I am flawless. I am perfect. I'm the strongest human being. I'm the fastest human being. I win these races around the house on a weekly basis. <laughs> but in, in reality, um, I'm a very flawed parent, and I've got a lot of shortcomings, just like my parents have. But the good news is, both of them and myself have access to a heavenly father, a perfect heavenly father. Um, I don't think anyone would argue this morning that our relationships with our parents are major defining relationships in our lives. And, um, but they are not the ultimate relationship. The ultimate relationship is our relationship with the Heavenly Father and how we engage with the Heavenly Father. So today my prayer is really that uh, we would all have a far deeper understanding of what this means. And um, we can go straight to Scripture, our key scripture this morning, Ephesians 1. I want you to see what a importance the highlight that they, um, the fact that they highlight that God is our Father. Ephesians 1, verse 2. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3. Praise to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Verse 17, I keep asking that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And we can end off here reading verse 4. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will. I don't think many of us fully grasp the, the wonder of this. Before we were born, we were chosen, we were loved, and by nature, many of us are God-rejectors. We tend to rebel against him. We weren't born into his family, um, but because of his love, he offers us this great spiritual gift and it's a gift of adoption into his family. So this was his idea. It starts with him, but it ends with us. Uh, we get to call him dad. We get to be in his amazing family. And uh, we get his love and acceptance. And uh, for those of you that don't know, if you get adopted in this country, uh, you get a new birth certificate. Your, the names of your uh, parents gets wiped out of your certificate. And the new adoptive parents, their names get written in the certificate. Um, you get, an adopted child gets part of the inheritance, despite the fact they were, that they weren't born into the family. They literally get a new identity. Um, just think about that as it relates to 
us being adopted into God's family. My, our spiritual birth certificates gets rewritten. I get a new dad. We get a new name. We get a share of the inheritance. This is unbelievably good news for you and me. If we ever look at um, God walking on the earth, can you guess what some of his major themes was when he walked on the earth? He repeatedly spoke about God the Father. He wanted us to know how important it is. He told us stories to help us understand what God the Father was like. He taught us to talk to God by saying, our Father in heaven. Think about it for a moment. Our King, our Rescuer, and most importantly, our Father. Jesus once said these famous words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. How many of you are familiar with this scripture? And do you know what he said straight after that? No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is telling us that the ultimate reason for following him is for us to get closer to the Father. Jesus is saying, I am the way to the Father. A relationship with him is the ultimate human reality and experience. I, in this week, as I was praying and I was asking God to speak to me, to speak to some people over here today, I, I felt I was working, my, the business was contending for my time, pressures of life, lots of things on top of me, and I was wrestling. And in a moment, drop, uh, God dropped the scripture in my heart. And it's Matthew 6, verse 33. I think many of you know the scripture. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all else will follow. And it immediately struck me that we tend to get this verse the wrong way around. Well, I get it wrong way around, and I think many of us here get it the wrong way around. We seek first the things. We try and accumulate. We work. We wrestle. But it's it's the complete opposite way around. We need to seek first the kingdom of God, and then all else will follow. And this morning, I, well, I felt very stirred to share my, uh, a part of my testimony, as I'm really hoping it's going to encourage some of you here this morning. Um, I worked for a cell phone company called Huawei, like the cell phone make, and um, my job was to drive around do surveys, look at towers, um, see where we can build new towers, optimize existing towers. And um, I was working extreme long hours every night, uh, most Saturdays, some Sundays as well. And to me, it felt, felt really normal. It felt like I'm looking after my family. Surely this is the right thing to do. And um, my dad came and saw me and he saw what was going on and he told me, my son, I just want to give you a little bit of a warning. Um, you're going to regret one day spending so much time at work and um, neglecting family, friends, not coming to church as often as I could. And I remember being a little bit confused, and I spent some time with God straight away, um, asking God, this is all I know. We need, to, we need to survive. We need to provide. This is all I know how, what to do. And... Um, the Holy Spirit dropped it in my heart one, one morning, and he said, I need, it, I need to give some of my possessions away. And I was like, my, obviously, at first, we just hold on. We're like, no, 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 no. This idea is from the devil. God would never want me to give these things away. 
Um, I spoke to my wife, and she was a little bit shocked. She's like, this doesn't really make a lot of sense, but she trusted me. She said, well, if it's, if it's, God's, if it's God's plan, then best, best you do it. And um, I ended up giving these things away, and about a week later, a friend of mine's dad phones me, and he says, um, Arno, I've got this business. We've had it for about 30 years, and I really just feel um, that you would be a good candidate to take over the business. And, um, and yeah, it was a little bit of a shock. And through a series of events, I ended, they ended up giving this business to me, and um, we, moved, we stayed in a little one-bedroom apartment, and we moved into a bigger property that could accommodate the family. But the reason I'm sharing this this, um, this morning is I really felt God need to speak to some some people here today and remind them that he knows where you are he knows what you need and he wants to give you what he what you need <laughs> um, I'm going to steer into a story here. many of you know the story it's the story of the prodigal son and um, I don't want to call it the prodigal so- story of the prodigal son this morning I want to call it the story of the loving father Many of you know the story. It's the father. He's got two sons. Young one is the rebel, and he doesn't really know how to work with money. But anyway, he asks for his dad's, or he asks for his own inheritance early while the dad is still alive. So for those of you that don't know, that's kind of a little bit of a slap in the face. Um, but the father gives him his inheritance, and long story short, he goes to a foreign city. He squanders all the money, lives a lavish lifestyle, parties it away, and then finds himself in a very bad situation. So he finds himself working for a pig farmer. He, in a moment of clarity, he realizes his dad's servants live a better life than him. They actually have food and a roof over their heads. So that's where we pick up the story. And uh, you can read with me in verse 17. Uh, Yeah. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and I have sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. I want you to see in this part of the story, this is the starting point. For any relationship with the Father, realizing that we have sinned and we don't deserve much, and then notice the Son moving towards the Father. But while he was still a long way off, his Father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his Son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The Son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and I have sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your Son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. So this morning, I really, I want to look at four truths that we can extract from the story. Um, And the first one is, the father loves me unconditionally. 
in this parable, the father experienced the ultimate rejection from the son, regardless of what he's done for the son. He experienced this rejection. Um, at a human level, when we experience these tremendous rejections, we tend to withdraw a little bit back and reject back. But we can see the father, not the father. Over and over again, the Bible tells us that the Father loves us. John writes, See what great love the Father has lavished on us. Like an endless waterfall flowing over the edge of a mountain, God's lavish love is poured out on our lives. <clears throat> David puts it like this, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great his love for those who fear him. In other words, God's love is infinite, just goes on and on and on. So I want to remind you this morning that no matter what you've done or where you've been, we can never reduce God's love for us. It's infinite and it goes on and on and on. The second point, the Father embraces us. So in my mind, if I look at this par parable, kind of picture it like this. Every normal father would maybe stand in that window, have a look outside, see the sun coming, coming down the road. And I think a normal father would start making a list. It's like, this is what he's done. That's what he's done. And as he interacts with him, say, son, I hope you've learned your lesson. This, 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 but not, not our father. But while he was a long way off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kiss, kiss, kissed him. So I want you to see what Jesus is trying to show us here. Our heavenly father is not stiff and starchy and trying to put maximum guilt on us. He is compassionate. He rushes to meet us. And despite the fact that we are full of mud and pigsty and dirty and full of sin, he wraps his arms around us and loves us and embraces us and forgives us. And one of the little things that we can pick up in this part of the story is um, it's a truth gap that we have. And um, I don't know what you feel sometimes, but for, for me, it's sometimes like it feels like God can, is tolerating us, you know. We, we're these imperfect children with all kinds of stories and requests, and it sometimes feel like God's, God's big. He's busy with a lot of things. He doesn't really have time for these, you know, small things and all the things that we want. Um, I also sometimes think that some people... He loves some people more than others. He favors some people more than others. But in the dark space of those lies is an explosive truth about the Father. And it explodes in our hearts. And we can see he sees us from a long way off. He runs to meet us. And he is filled with compassion. He throws his arms around us, dirty as we are, and then whispers in our ears, I love you. Welcome home. The third point, the father forgives me completely. So after the son prepared, his prepared the speech carefully, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and I have sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And everything of this is true. He has sinned. He is not worthy. He has messed up big time. And one of the truths of the story that we can see 
our, we will never understand how amazing the Father is until we realize how rotten we are. If we think of ourselves as uh, God's special to have, you know, we, it's a, God's lucky to have us. Um, it's, a, it's a very big mistake. Um, as we can see in the scripture, the son started off being arrogant. And arrogance leads us away from the father. But as soon as the son repents, something amazing starts to happen. The father forgives him completely. The son was just asking for a roof over his head. He was just asking for a meal. But the father brings out a robe and a ring, which symbolizes sonship. The father is saying, in spite of you wishing me dead, in spite of you doing all these things to me, I want you as my son again, and I forgive you. The thought this morning that I have for us, what are the things that we need to repent of? What are the things today that's stopping us from receiving God's forgiveness? The fourth point that I want to bring out is the Father transforms us. I'd like for us to notice the transformation the Son is going through, through the Father. He leaves home arrogant he returns home humbly. He leaves home self-centered. He returns home father-centered. He comes home in rags. The father gives him a robe. He comes home barefoot. The father gives him sandals. All of this speaks to the transformation that, the God, that God the father wants to do in our lives. So I started cycling recently and... Um, I found this trend over and over the same, the same trend. It's a big hill that we have to climb. It's like kilometers worth of climbing. And at the, at the bottom of the hill, I'm feeling fresh. I'm feeling strong. And I'm kind of keep to myself and I'm focused and uh, yeah, all's going well. And then midway up the hill, the pain starts setting in, cramp here and there. I'm feeling a little bit sore, not feeling as good anymore. But then I start to greet people. It's like speak, pick up a little bit of conversation. How's it going? And then when I'm close to the top, when I'm absolutely broken and not in a good shape and uh, not feeling great, then I'm striking conversation. I'm open to hearing people's stories and I'm loving on people. And it's, um, it's in, the, in the picture here, is sometimes when we're going through a tough season, sometimes we're going through a tough time, it's God shaping us, it's God transforming us and prepping us for this new season that we're about to go in. Back to the story. The God, God doesn't wait for the son to, to prove himself worthy. Like, let's have a five-year, work here a little bit for five years, and let's just see if you actually um, have learned your lesson. Straight away, prodigal son returns to the father, forgives him, throws a party, and all sins are forgiven. In closing, I would like just to ask the band to come up. I've got four, four symbols that I want to, four, four pictures that I would love for them to put on the screen. And these are just um, four illustrations that will help you remember the four points of God the loving Father. And the first picture and point is, the Father loves me unconditionally. The second picture, the father embraces me. That's my little daughter. 
The third picture, the Father forgives me. And in the fourth picture, the Father transforms me. Now, I truly believe um, that one of the most important things of our new identity that we need to grasp and live with in our hearts is that God, our Father, is, is there to love us, not, to, not to, to, to harm us or to punish us or to teach us a lesson, but it's, it's, it's out of pure love. And God wants to use us, but He needs to shape us sometimes. We need to go through these tough seasons in order for Him, in order to be something that He can use. And in closing, I would like to do things. Firstly, I would like to pray in the line of Paul's prayer in Ephesians 1 verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And secondly, this morning, um, I would, I think everyone, everyone can stand, please. Secondly, this morning, I want to, um, I don't want to embarrass anyone here this morning. And uh, while all eyes are closed and heads are bowed, I want to pray for us. But I want to give anyone an opportunity here that might have lived like the prodigal son. You might feel that you are far from God. You have done some certain things that you're not proud of. And I want to give you an opportunity to come back into a relationship with Him. And if you are here and you've never given your heart to Jesus, I would like you to give you that opportunity as well. If, I'm not going to call you to the front, but if there's anyone here, I'd love for you to raise your hand and I want to pray with you. Jesus, I want to thank you this morning for being here and working in our hearts. Jesus, I want to thank you that you are Father of love, Father of second chances, that you transform us, Jesus, that you make us something better, that you give us second chances, Lord. I thank you that your love is never ending. It goes despite what we have done, despite our sins, Lord, that you forgive us over and over and your love just lavishes over us. Jesus, I want to pray that you give us the courage to repent where we have sinned. I want to pray, Lord, that you may refresh our souls, that we may have new energy to do your work, Jesus. And lastly, Lord, I want to pray that you may come in our hearts, come into our hearts and do what only you can do. Do the transformation that you need to do, Lord, and help us to just fix our eyes on you. As we're going through seasons sometimes, financial difficulty, precious of business, precious of life. I pray, Lord, that you may help us to just let us keep our eyes on you and encourage us and refresh us and help us, Jesus. I want to thank you for your goodness. I want to thank you for the provisions. And I want to thank you for the provisions that you've given to this church and this leadership and all the, all the effort that they've done, Lord. I want to pray, Lord, that you may just water the seeds that they have sown. In Jesus' name. Amen.